Good morning and welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Bill is joining us via Zoom technology that he's grown quite accustomed to with his (laughs) clients and also with his seminars slash webinars. Bill, how are you doing today? Good morning, Jason. I'm doing great. That's wonderful Uh, to hear. I'm glad you're getting uh, some time uh, away a little bit. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, even if the weather is bad, a bad day at the beach is still a great day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so true, Bill. Well, um, you know, last week you uh, you bestowed us with a, uh, a civics lesson. You were uh, making sure that we were um, getting some information that I don't think quite breaks through the news cycle, and that had to do with uh, national debt and the deficit and how important those things are and how it affects our lives, because uh, it's something that we do have to factor in when it comes to planning. And Bill, I know you've got uh, a couple more thoughts that you want to share. Well, you know, I, I think it's important for, for folks to at least have an appreciation uh for what's going on around them. I mean, everybody can appreciate uh, the mess we're in with the pandemic and the fact that uh, all of us have had to change our lives in ways that we do not appreciate, that that we don't like, but we have to for our own safety uh, and for the safety of, of others. Um, you know, our ability to get together with our family and friends is uh, very, very limited. It's very frustrating. It's very old at this point because none of us want to have to deal with it. But the fact is we have a public health crisis uh, and we all have to do our part. It's just uh, there is no other way around it. And unfortunately, for most of us, uh, we will we will uh, be in this uh, mode uh, uh, likely at least until next summer, and possibly till the end of next year. Uh, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on uh, how effective uh, 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 um, vaccines will be. Um, and a lot of folks don't realize it, but uh, e- even the, the when vaccines are approved, uh, uh, many of the vaccines may only have an effectiveness of 50% or so. We're, you know, if it's higher than that, if it's a 70% effectiveness, um, that will be pretty good. Uh, and so... <laughs> And there's a lot there. There will be a lot of unknowns uh, for a couple years. Uh, it's, for instance, um, it is highly likely that uh, folks will have to be vaccinated uh, each year, or or at least there will be a, a need for a booster, if not uh, more than that. Uh, I mean, if you think of it like the flu vaccine, uh, we have to. To do, to do that every year to have an effective vaccine. And, uh, you know, because the viruses can uh, change on us, um, it, it's some to some degree, it's a guessing game as, as to what the prevalent um, uh, uh, vaccine, you know, what the prevalent uh, disease will be in essence. And so, I mean, it, it, a lot of folks 
have to realize that even the flu vaccine is uh, at its most effectiveness is about 60%. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where uh, uh, this pandemic is going to change the way we do do things for many, many years, but we'll stay in the same mode uh, clearly until next summer, no matter what. It's going to take folks a long time to be vaccinated and and then it's going to be how effective will it be? But anyway, I, I did think uh, it would uh, be important to point out a few things that are clearly uh, the result of this pandemic. And some of it, it um, you know, last week I talked about the deficit and the debt and, and the fact that uh, our uh, taxes will go up. And what a lot of folks don't realize is that when when our uh, the the tax rates were lowered a couple years ago, two two tax years ago, and of course, you know, I am one who is very interested in taxes. I give a lot of tax advice uh, to my clients. Uh, you know, my job is to protect assets, and protecting assets means lower your tax bill. To, in any way that's lawful and proper. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm real interested in, in how this works. But from a civics perspective, I think it's important for folks to understand that when our taxes were lowered, uh, and this prior to the pandemic, our deficit was going up. And, and the deficit is the key uh, piece to look at as opposed to the debt, uh, because in essence, the deficit means that we're taking less money in, in taxes, than we're spending. And so when they're talking about a federal deficit, right now our deficit is about a trillion dollars. So we're taking in a trillion dollars less than we're spending. And the fact is, it was, uh, the deficit was increasing prior to the pandemic. And what that basically means is the pandemic has made it three times worse, uh, but it was unsustainable long-term um, uh, because it was increasing our deficit every year. And increasing the deficit, of course, increases the overall debt. Which, so the no-brainer is that our, the tax rates have to go up, no matter who gets elected, no matter who's in office, because there's no other responsible choice you cannot keep increasing the deficit and increasing the debt uh, because then there wouldn't be any other money left for any government services at all over time. Uh, so in, in essence, uh, it, you know, lowering taxes and making money available to spend can spur on the economy to some degree, but, it, but whether it spurs it on enough to make up the difference is what's really uh, important and and at least uh, it's never worked by lowering taxes. It's never worked enough to keep the deficit from growing. Uh, uh, so 
anyway, it's important for folks to understand that the, that their taxes are going up. But there are other things that folks need to realize too that are that that it is a result uh, of where we are today. And one of the things uh, that uh, is uh, that we can rely on for the foreseeable future. Uh, and by foreseeable, I mean the next few years, is that our interest rates will stay low. And so uh, that's really good news if you're uh, if you have a good job and if you're uh, uh, thinking about refinancing your home or buying a home uh, because rates are are going to be lower than ever before. Uh, but it, it also result because the rates are so low. Uh, <laughs> well, some folks might be thinking, uh, you know, why is the stock market going up at all with with the economy where it is, uh, and why is it volatile rather than being in the basement uh, and plummeting? Well. The fact is, is that it all uh, it works together. Uh, first of all, there are companies that are doing extremely well because of the pandemic and the way we're living our lives right now. Uh, any uh, company that is based on delivery uh, is making uh, huge profits right now. So technology companies are doing extremely well, or most of them are, uh, if if because the tech technology is what we're all depending on uh, uh, right now, uh, and I, I don't see that changing either. But uh, so what? Are, so what are the other kinds? Not not all restaurants are doing horrible. Uh, most are, as we know. Uh, but think about it. Pizza delivery companies are probably having their best year ever uh, because people are calling for takeout because they can't go out uh, to restaurants like we could in, in times past. But uh, so there are companies out there that are doing extremely well, while uh, many, many companies are, in fact, suffering and some are not even sustainable to where they can stay in business. But uh, so who's, who's suffering? Well, clearly uh, most restaurants uh, and the typical restaurant is suffering greatly. Uh, Bars are terrible. Anything that's non TV entertainment uh, that uh, uh, anything in terms of travel, uh, you know, hotels, airplanes, uh, 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 any kind of leisure activity, um, all suffering horribly, and and um, and of course because the, those industries are suffering, the folks who were working in those industries are out of work uh, or reduced hours. Uh, so there are an awful lot of folks in this country who are suffering economically. Um, and the fact is, until things turn around, uh, that's going to continue. And, and that's one of the reasons that, um, that right now we're, our economy truly is a wartime type of economy because we have to spend money 
that we don't have for the next year. Uh, and then we're going to have to make it up. And that that's, uh, that's where folks have to realize it doesn't matter who gets elected. The, the tax rates are going to end up going up. But another thing that a lot of folks aren't thinking about is the fact that state and local government revenues are down as well. Uh, and they're, the state and local government is suffering financially. Uh, and there have been a, a numerous state and local, local government layoffs. Uh, and uh, also, you have to expect, unfortunately, for, for the foreseeable future, reduced services. I mean, it, and, and that includes across the board, state and local government. To get anything done, state or local uh, or federal, you're, it's going to take longer uh, to get it done because the, you know, the, the government services are having to deal with the pandemic uh, as well. I mean, one of the things for us is getting into the courthouse uh, and getting uh, hearings for things that are necessary, extremely difficult. The courthouses are, are uh, having to deal with this. And so, uh, you know, things are not running normally and will not for a long time. And so these are the things that we have to look at. And, and quite frankly, sometimes it gives us direction. When you think about taxes and interest rates, that may give us an opportunity. Uh, it, it may, but you have to do the numbers. It's not, there's nothing out there that's an automatic for anybody. Uh, it might be helpful to you to, uh, to convert uh, to Roth, uh, you know, to pay taxes this year. There'll be an awful lot of folks selling uh, appreciated property and taking profits and cap and paying capital gains tax, realizing that capital gains tax may go up. Um, uh, and it may or may not, but it's more likely to go. It's certainly not going down. We know that. So the only way that it has to move is upward. Um, and that, that, so there are a number of things that we might be putting in place as it re results to that. And I know I've talked on too long about it. I, I, next, I think next week I, I will try to talk about some things that folks may want to put in place this, this year or soon um, as a result of, of, of what we can expect to happen, regardless of who gets elected. Yep, the bill will come due, and that is important when it comes to forecasting and uh, doing your planning as well, and seeing you know how increased taxes will affect your portfolio and how you can uh, set yourself up to sort of mitigate those uh, the impact of those changes. Uh, we're doing this show via Zoom. I am in one location. Bill is in another, and Zoom is also how Bill conducts his webinars. We have two coming up on Wednesday, October 14th. That is this coming Wednesday. And Bill's seminars cover uh, government assistance when it comes to long, a long-term care crisis that deals with Medicaid and VA benefits. And another webinar that has to do with asset protection and trust planning. Both 
are free to attend. It's free to register. All you have to do is go to WGALaw.com, click on the seminars button, and there you can register for free. And as I said, this will be conducted uh, remotely via video conference. All you need is a computer or a smartphone with internet access and an email address, and you can attend and learn from Bill, as I said, for free. It's free to register. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the seminars button. You can also call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. And throughout the show, we're going to go into detail on what these seminars can provide in terms of information. But we do have to take a quick break. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for listening. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. He is joining us via Zoom this uh, this edition of the show. And don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com if you want to register for this Wednesday's seminar slash webinars that have to do with long-term care assistance and also asset protection and trust planning. Just go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button and it is free to register. Uh, Bill, in your first seminar of the day coming up on Wednesday, you talk about long-term care assistance. And one of the major topics with that is Medicaid. And I want to spend some time talking about that because um, let's let's start with the basics when it comes to Medicaid planning. Well, uh, Jason, as, as you know, uh, my law practice focuses on the needs of seniors and some seniors are very fortunate and for those folks it has everything to do with wealth transfer and asset protection for their family and children Um, but it also you know when it comes to the needs of seniors we also have a lot of folks who have to deal with long-term care issues. And so the elder law part of our practice um, is not all about Medicaid. Although Medicaid is an important part of it, Medicaid uh, comes into play when, uh, when folks need nursing facility care. And a lot of folks are confused over what that means. But nursing care is a facility that nobody wants to go to. I mean, that, that's and that for good reason. You know, their uh, folks want to stay at home as long as possible. But uh, there are times when it's just impossible for families to take care of you. You're very sick, and you need a safe environment. And and sometimes assisted living can take care of your issues. Uh, if you can't stay at home. And of course, we deal with those as well. But the worst cases are those where folks need medical care as well as long-term care. And those folks uh, generally need nursing facility care. Now, if a family can take care of somebody at home, that is fabulous. That's certainly preferred. Uh, But one of the things that hits everyone and this is true whether you stay home, go to assisted living, or need uh, nursing facility care. It's horribly expensive. 
I, I mean, no one is ready for the shock of how expensive it is uh, to be taken care of. Uh, and, and one of the things that folks have to recognize is that your health insurance doesn't pay for it. Uh, that's, that's a huge gap in our healthcare system, but there's no money that comes from Medicare, which is the health insurance program that all seniors are on. Medicare doesn't pay for it and your health insurance doesn't pay for it. So in essence, uh, for all of us who need that type of care, it is private pay. It has to come out of our pocket unless we can uh, be eligible for Medicaid. Uh, now, Medicaid is, in fact, a needs-based program, which means that you have to have, you know, there are tests uh, in terms of whether you qualify for it or not. You can't just sign up for it and get it. Uh, and it's a comp are, they are complicated tests. And so uh, there are two parts of what we call Medicaid planning, if you will. And that is how do you arrange things for your family, for yourself, so that you're eligible for Medicaid. And then there's a second part that's really important to most of us. And that is, is that how do we protect the property that we can re retain and be on Medicaid. And so both of those issues are extremely important to, to families. And now there, there are a lot of folks that, that think that Medicaid uh, is only for poor people. And the, the, there are, you have to understand, there are a number of different Medicaid programs and the big Medicaid program is, in fact, for those who are categorically needy. In other words, folks who are very poor, have very little income, very few assets. Uh, and Medicaid at home is one of those, is, is that program. That's the major program. And it's really not designed for long-term care anyway. That one is more designed for folks who need to go to see the doctor. Uh, as and can't afford it and have no insurance anyway. And so uh, that's where most of the Medicaid dollars go. But for seniors, uh, seniors who've taken care of themselves all their lives and, and have a home and have money, uh, uh, you know, have a nest egg, uh, if, if they get really sick and have to go to nursing care, then the question is, do they just willy-nilly private pay until they become poor? Well, that's an option, but to me, that's not a good option. You know, my job is to help families uh, not uh, get into that situation. So if someone is relegated to needing care and they can't have that care at home, and there are lots of reasons why that happens, uh, then how do we pay for it? Well, that's what Medicaid planning is, and quite frankly, for those folks who help come to us and get professional assistance and um, plan so that they can qualify for Medicaid, they're in so much better situation because the problem for folks who just 
pay everything out until they're poor. When they go on Medicaid, they end up with $30 per month to take care of all their personal needs. Well, one thing I've always said, I've never known a woman ever who could get by on $30 a month to take care of their personal needs. And, and truthfully, most men couldn't either, but men can actually do it where there is no woman on earth that can get by on $30 a month. And I'm not being a sexist by saying that. I'm just, you know, I'm thinking about my mother. I mean, she liked to have her hair done every week and she needed things that men don't need. And, and you know, it's the kind of thing of where $30 a month just doesn't get it. So if a family has done Medicaid planning, then they should have a nest egg of money that's set back. And that nest, you know, and then Medicaid pays the basic bill. You contribute a patient liability each month that's based on your income, the income of the patient, that is. But then there's a nest egg that can supplement that care. So if the family can't be in the nursing home, you can pay for sitters or others to make sure that the quality of life in the nursing home is far better than those folks who are struggling to pay the bills or, or are on Medicaid because they've run out of money altogether. That's what Medicaid planning is all about, how to preserve as much property as possible and still be on Medicaid. If, if you're one of the unfortunate families that has to deal with the nursing home. Yeah, and that has to go into that misconception that you have to be poor to be able to qualify for assistance when it comes to Medicaid, and that is not true. That's why the planning is so important, and that's why it is important to attend these seminars that Bill puts on, and you can do that. You can attend and register for free. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button, WGALaw.com. There you can register for free to attend Bill's two seminars, one dealing with the topics that we're discussing this morning, dealing with long-term care assistance and government assistance when it comes to Medicaid and VA benefits, and the other dealing with asset protection and trust planning. You can call 919-256-7000 if you prefer to register over the phone, 919-256-7000 or online at wgalaw.com. And these are in the form of webinars. You can do these from the comfort of your own home. It's a wonderful service that Bill is providing. And, uh, you know, we would love to be back in person, but uh, until it's safe to do so, we will continue to do this remotely, which has worked out really well. Again, wgalaw.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find more about Bill online at WGALaw.com. We are talking about Medicaid and Medicaid planning. And Bill, when it comes to Medicaid, uh, one thing that we hear so often is that folks kind of fear Medicaid with the threat that uh, they may lose their home. And, you know, we call this Medicaid estate recovery. And Bill, how does that play into what you are able to do for clients and those who attend the seminars? Uh, well, as you know, asset protection is uh, extremely important to me in terms of helping my clients. 
uh, and um, when with Medicaid, it's something that you have to consider is how do you protect your assets uh, when you go on Medicaid? And, and there are numerous lawful and proper ways to do that. Now, there is a myth out there, as you've just stated, that if I go on Medicaid, I'll lose my home. And that myth, it's a myth because it's a half-truth. It can happen for those who don't seek help and get proper planning in place. You know, if they, uh, a lot of families that start out relatively poor and go on Medicaid because they are poor. And sometimes they own a house that's exempt and the family loses the house because they haven't been to see an elder law attorney um, and they've done nothing to protect the house. Now, um, it, it's, it is a half-truth because people can uh, be in a position where they don't lose their home because they're lucky, as opposed to having professional assistance and making sure that they don't lose their home. And so you might say, well, how do you get lucky? <laughs> and well, for the, the first thing is this, if you are married uh, then uh, and uh, the person who is on Medicaid dies first, which is more common than not because obviously you're sick if you're on Medicaid, uh, and hopefully the community spouse is not sick or they're obviously less sick because they're not in a nursing home and not on Medicaid. Um, so the bottom line is if you are survived by your home, by your spouse, then your home is not taken. In other words, typically the home automatically goes to the spouse uh, by the deed that you have, then it's by the entirety of North Carolina. Um, and so uh, that is a way to uh, where you don't lose your home. But those folks who are widowed or widowers and they own a home and they're on Medicaid and they've never sought help, uh, their, their home is part of their estate when they die and under those circumstances, the state uh, is obligated to, to file a claim against your estate. And when that occurs, uh, then um, the state will be paid back. And more often than not, the family has to sell the home in order to, to pay Medicaid estate recovery claim. Uh, and so Medicaid claims are very different from normal creditors. They are priority creditors. They come in front of general creditors, um, uh, and, but they don't always file a claim. I mean, it depends upon circumstances. Um, and one of the circumstances is whether you're survived by a spouse. Uh, other circumstances can come into play as well. And so uh, now there is another circumstance that uh, I would call luck, uh, and, and most families would not, in, but in terms of estate recovery is what we're really talking about. It's all about perspective, I guess, in terms of how do you avoid that estate recovery. And this is one that uh, most folks 
don't know about. And this is one where the attorneys out there uh, uh, and CPAs out there um, who do estates uh, need to listen up on this one because this one is important uh, to folks because it's not automatic. And that is if you have, if the Medicaid recipient has a disabled child or a disabled stepchild in North Carolina, then there is no estate recovery. However, the f fact is, is that the executor of the estate has to be able to um, tell uh, the, uh, the recovery section that there's a disabled child so, there's, so that they deny the claim and then tell uh, DMA uh, why they are denying the claim is because they, the, the Medicaid recipient has uh, a, a surviving disabled child. Now, here is the piece that a lot of folks don't realize. And this is a big, <laughs> well, for, I mean, people know that they have a disabled child if, they, if the disabled child uh, is one who has been on Medicaid themselves, you know, that's supplemental security income. Uh, but they've been, you know, those, are, those children are profoundly disabled, generally speaking. Uh, but dis disability falls in lots of different categories. And so you could be on disability from work. In, in other words, you're on social security disability income because you can't work anymore as opposed to being profoundly disabled, that's still disabled. You could be 100% disabled from the VA. Uh, that's considered being disabled. Uh, uh, the, now, here's the, the biggie and the one that, that folks need to watch out for even more because it's an opportunity depending on the circumstances. Let's say that you have a Medicaid recipient who's in their um, 90s and their child is you know, 75 years old or 69 years old, take your pick. Well, that person could very well be disabled, but never served in the military and is not on VA and has never been determined disabled by the Social Security Administration. So, but, but they are disabled. Maybe they're demented. Maybe uh, they uh, can't manage their affairs for uh, lots of different reasons. Well, the bottom line is you can't go to Social Security and say, I'm disabled, even though I'm 75 years old. Uh, they, you know, you can't get a disability hearing from Social Security after you're 66. Uh, that's full retirement age. And if you're on disability, they convert you over to regular Social Security anyway at that point. So point is that um, let's, let's say you have a child who just because of old age and other reasons, they're frail and demented or other issues. And, and they, they, are, they, they would fit the definition of disabled at that point. Uh, because of that, what a lot of folks don't realize is there is a procedure where you can uh, have your doctor fill out 
a Medicaid form that says you're disabled. And that's sufficient. In other words, if you have an older child who is actually disabled, uh, a doctor's letter, in essence, filled out on the correct form is sufficient to qualify so that there is no Medicaid state recovery. But the executor and the if, if there's someone helping the executor with their estate, typically an attorney or CPA, they have to know this rule because it's a proactive challenge. In other words, the, the uh, executor needs to know that they can deny the claim and then prove that there is a disabled child where, where the uh, recovery section will um, withdraw the claim. So very important families to know. Now that, I'll, you know, you can call that luck or not luck, but in terms of avoiding the Medicaid state recovery claim, it, it's another arrow in the quiver that people need to know about. Uh, I know we need to take a break and I want to talk a little bit more about some of these issues because it's really important for folks to know that there are good and decent ways to avoid this without luck. Yeah, it, there's a uh, lack of knowledge when it comes to this, and that's why this so this program is so important, and that's why it's also important to attend Bill's seminars. You can do so. Again, it's free to register, free to attend. Just go to WGALaw.com, click on the seminars button. These are happening Wednesday, October 14th. We do this the second Wednesday of every month, so this coming Wednesday is the next set of seminars. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait until November to catch the next set, but it's free to attend. The first seminar of the day deals with uh, the topics that we've been discussing, long-term care assistance when it comes to Medicaid and VA benefits and there's a, a lot more arrows that you can put in your quiver if you attend these seminars. And the other seminar has to do with asset protection and with trust planning as well. WGALaw.com is the website to go to and click on the seminars button. It's free to register. You can also call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. And we'd love for you to attend these webinar webinars coming up on Wednesday. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We will be right back. Back with Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him at WGA Law. WGALaw.com is also where you can register for Bill's seminars happening this Wednesday, October 14th. Be sure to register. It's free to attend. WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we are talking all about uh, Medicaid. And Bill, we were shifting into a discussion on asset protection as it pertains to Medicaid. Well, I mean, for those folks who, again, who are unfortunate enough to uh, have to go to nursing care uh, and they want to get on Medicaid in order to pay those bills or they, they, they require that, uh, which is where most people are because there are very few families with the liquidity, with the cash, uh, because you have to understand when you're paying the nursing home, you have to pay them with cash. You can't give them chickens. Uh, <laughs> doesn't work. Um, so, uh, but for those families who don't want to rely on luck, 
The good news is, is that a good elder law attorney can help a family avoid properly and legally avoid a state recovery. Uh, and, and it's important for folks to know that. Now, it, folks have heard me say over and over again, and most folks ignore me when I say it, but I'll tell them that seniors need advanced powers of attorney. And the reason is that normal powers of attorney do not give families the ability to do asset protection planning. And a good advanced power of attorney does allow spouses and families to do the asset protection uh, needed when a, a family member or loved one goes on Medicaid. And so if, now, if, you're, if your Medicaid recipient is lucid and can sign documents, then you don't need a power of attorney. Uh, but, you know, the fact is, is that there are an awful lot of folks that um, are not lucid uh, and, not, and, and don't have capacity to sign their own documents. And when that's the case, you got to have a power of attorney that allows you to do that. Now, I've, as an elder law attorney, uh, I've never seen a piece of real estate anywhere that we could not protect in North Carolina. Uh, there are ways to protect real estate. There are ways to protect money and to get eligibility and the like. Uh, the first, you know, if a, now one of the, uh, the, things we do frequently, one of the key concepts is if I have a spouse, transferring the property to the spouse is not a penalized transfer for Medicaid. And so we typically transfer virtually everything to the spouse. And then we want to make sure that we protect the Medicaid recipient in the event that the spouse dies first, because, you know, we don't control who dies when. And so as a result, we want to put a supplemental needs trust in the will of the uh, healthy spouse. That's really important. And, and uh, that kind of trust, if properly drafted in a will, will protect the property in the event that the spouse dies first. And it protects the property when it, to go to the children or the grandchildren after the Medicaid recipient dies as well. So. Again, there are ways to protect that uh, and very important that it be done that way. So the, the key in terms of being able to do asset protection is that power of attorney, just in case your loved one doesn't have the capacity to sign. Um, that's huge and it makes a difference. And even if your person is lucid now, there are things that may be needed to be done in the future to do a, to complete an asset protection plan. So that advanced power of attorney is the key document to make sure that things uh, can work out. And of course, the other side of it is having good professional advice to make sure that it's done right and that your uh, whatever you're doing uh, does not result in additional taxes to you. I've seen a lot of families do it wrong and, and then they need to sell property in order to pay bills and they have to pay a huge capital gains tax that they should not have had to pay with good advice. But this is why professional help makes all the difference in the world 
uh, well, most families. Well, families with any property, professional vice is the way to go. Absolutely. It can save you uh, a whole lot of money to get that professional advice. And you can get that advice from someone who's been practicing law for over 40 plus years. That's Bill Alexander. Go to WGALaw.com. You can find more information about him. You can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. You can also register for Wednesday's seminars coming up on October 14th. Again, WGALaw.com. Click the register button. It's free to register, free to attend, and you can do it from the comfort of your own home as these will be in the form of webinars. All you need is a computer or smartphone with internet access and an email address, and you're good to go. Learn more about many of the topics that we've discussed on today's show. WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. Seven thousand. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Be sure to register for Bill's webinars coming up this Wednesday, October 14th. Go to WGA Law. and click on the seminars button. It's easy and free to register and you'll get more information like we discussed today. And as as you've heard, Bill's experience in this realm is unparalleled and you have a chance to sit down virtually with him and uh, partake of the knowledge that he can share with you. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button or call 919-256-7000. 256-7000. And a pro tip for everyone out there, you can attend both seminars if you want to. Bill said a number of people who have done that. And hey, it's free to register, free to attend, so why not? WGALaw.com. We are out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great weekend. 